bounces away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. This is a show by the fans, for the fans, where we will be previewing the Men's Rugby League World Cup. Before that, we'd like to give out the Wildcard Awards to discuss something interesting we noticed during the week. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get some rugby league chat without the media agendas, just whatever individual agendas we are driving. To drive an agenda like he stole it, I'm joined by Kieran Gibson. Kieran, how you been, mate? Yeah, good, mate. I've um, been upping my running mileage the last few weeks, uh, watching a few more marathons as we all enjoy on the pod, and um, my Arsenal, who no one gives a shit about apparently, uh, won again on the weekend, <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. I was pretty brutal <laughs> last time, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> But um, by the way, do you, do you know how the Nairobi Marathon went? Has that finished yet, or is, is Chris still mon- Is that the reason that Chris isn't here? He's monitoring the Nairobi Marathon. I believe so. I think they took a wrong turn uh, with two kilometers to go, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So they're still going. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Miles Devlin somewhere in Europe, maybe watching a marathon. We've got Chris glued to the KO at home and and Friendy is also not available as well. He's playing a game of 2020 cricket. So it's just you and me, Kieran. It's a date like the old days. Uh, I hope I can live up to expectations. Let's jump in to the wildcard awards. Uh, I might go first. Ladies first. What do you say? The what the fuck are you idiots doing award. It goes to the Manly Sea Eagles, of course, reports are circulating today. Today is Thursday, the 13th of October. There's been a lot of talk for a while, hasn't there? But there, the reports are circling today that Desi's gone. It's not official. The Sea Eagles haven't actually come out and confirmed it. But, you know, let's be honest, he's probably gone at this point. It might be about to get messy with legal action as a possibility. Coming in to replace him is former assistant coach of the club, Anthony Seabold, the Broncos coaching legend, who had the world at his feet after killing it for one season at the Rabbitohs. A club legend dumped for a guy with Seabold's recent record is super interesting. Kieran, from afar, it it does not look like great business by the Seagulls, does it? No. Uh, and the way it's all happened very, very quickly, although I think from what the way it's coming out now, it seems like this has maybe been... Um, coming along for a while now, but it, it just seems like it's happened imminently because of, um, I guess, the way we've heard it in the press, only just heard it in the press. It, it seems like it's all just happened all at once. Uh, to be honest, I don't mind Seabold. I um, I know he didn't do well too well at the Broncos, and um, any coach that you hear on NRL.com giving analysis, you're probably going to stand back and think, shit, he knows his stuff because it's mm. it's going to be a bit better than your analysis of the game, most likely, given that he's yeah, thanks, a man. coach. Yeah, cheers. But, <laughs> but um, no, I, I'm quite quietly impressed with, um, quite impressed rather with uh, his analysis on NRL.com when he breaks down each week um, key matchups or, or uh, key ways that a team is going to attack or defend. Um, I, I, I'm excited to see how he goes, but I think it's a bit harsh on Des. Yeah, it, it feels like, and one of our one of our friends, Andy Tweed, mentioned this. He's like, look, Des hasn't been going great for a while. They made a prelim last year, but Tommy Turbo had arguably the best individual season we've ever seen uh, to mm. do that. 
So how much of that credit goes to Des? I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but it seems like Des has created an, an environment in the playing group where the players, key mm-hmm. players, seem to trust him. Uh, and Seabold at the Broncos created an environment where the players did not trust him. And that was a big reason why that club was struggling as much as they were when he was there. So it'll be it's interesting that the Seagulls have gone in this specific direction, going away from the culture coach and going towards the the uh, the strategic coach, maybe the more like intellectual coach of the two. Not to say that Des is stupid; he's obviously not. But you know, Seabold always talks very intelligently about the sport. I think uh, even back in his Rabbitohs days, and he was an assistant coach at the club. Previously, as Miles Stedman let me know in the group chat. So, uh, you know, obviously during his time there, he'd made some good impressions on some key people and they're going to give him a go. Um, I'm not as big a Seabold hater as many are like you. Um, as in, you know, I'm kind of like you in that sense. So be interested to see how he goes. But I do think the what the fuck are you idiots doing, you big idiots award <laughs> is deserved because of the way it's been handled, and especially if it drags on into a legal situation um, with Des mm-hmm. kicking and screaming his way out, uh, it could be very messy for the Seagulls who have bum- fumbled a few things along the way here, I think. So that's my wildcard award this week. What's yours? Uh, I've got the, the Mind the Gap Award, which goes to Australia in league as a warning sound with other, na- other nations rising to prominence. Um, I think the gap now is closing on Australia's perceived stranglehold atop of international rugby league dominance, with uh, Tier 2 nations such as Samoa and Tonga uh, rising to prominence. And then the Kiwis at the moment, I think, are arguably as strong as Australia. And then along with this gap, I've got the gap between international rugby league and rugby union closing. Um, Mm. in terms of competitiveness. Um, Although admittedly, I have to say, we've still got a way to go to reach union international levels. Well, you're more of a a union fan than I. Uh, It might be something to do with being Irish. I'm not sure because Ireland are a lot more competitive in union than they are in Lee. Um, But I'll have to to lean on your knowledge on that one because that's the thing that rugby union have always had over regularly, isn't it? That you know, yeah, like, you know, maybe it's this or maybe it's that or maybe it's whatever, but at least we have an international game and it means something. And I'm like, you know, touche. Like, what can you say? Australia have dominated largely. And if it hasn't been them, it's been New Zealand for, you know, three, four decades now. So uh, I I like it. I'm I'm a big fan. Um, A lot of it has to do with the fact that players are turning their backs on those traditional strong nations. You know, like we're looking at the likes of, uh, Brian Toto, uh, Daniel Tupo, um, Junior Paolo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like so, uh, Joseph Suali'i, of course. Like there's there's so many that are turning their backs on potential Australian jerseys, which are all kind of following the lead of Jason Tamalolo and Andrew Fafita a couple of, a couple of years ago where they, they both made a decision, uh, possibly together, to go and play for Tonga. They made Tonga a lot stronger and as you mentioned, they're one of those like emerging, uh, you know, superpowers in, in the sport. So I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of people going back to their heritage and spreading out the talent. What do you, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I, I really love it. Um, it's, uh, it's really good for the game. Um, and Jerome Luai is another in there to, to mention mm. that's gone to Samoa. Um, 
but yeah, it, it's it's awesome for the game, awesome for the World Cup. I think it's the most excited I've been for a World Cup because of it. Um, yeah, the the competitiveness or the way I, I see it being a lot more competitive this time around has really got me excited. I think um, you won't see as many blowouts, especially in the knockout stages. It'll time or games rather will be a lot closer, uh, which mm. yeah, obviously just increases the excitement. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let's talk about the World Cup. There's 16 teams in this edition of the World Cup. Uh, unfortunately, some teams that have been there in the past are not there. Teams like Russia, who once got beaten by like 100 points by Australia. Um, teams like South Africa, actually, which I think is a real loss, I think. When you when you think about how strong South African, like the Springboks, have been uh, in, you know, maybe they're not as strong as they used to be right now, but, you know, in the last 30 years or so, the South Africans have been a a superpower of rugby union and rugby yeah. league has just been dog shit in comparison. It's just <laughs> such a missed opportunity. Um, but alas, you know, we have 16 teams that are in there. Eight of those teams, sorry, the 16 teams are split into four pools, four pools of four teams each. They will play against each other once each within the pool. And then the top two teams from each pool progress to the quarterfinals where it becomes sudden death. Uh, winners of quarterfinals go into semifinals. Winners of semifinals go into the grand final. And that will decide who the winning team is. One of the fascinating things about the draw this time around is that in Pool B, we have Australia and they should win all their games. And New Zealand are in Pool C and they should win all their games. And if they both do, they're going to play in a semifinal. And that means that the final this year, in all likelihood, is going to feature at least one of maybe England, maybe Samoa, maybe Tonga. And that's super cool. Can you imagine if we had like a, a final of like Australia versus England in England? Like England's got a real chance there. Or like New Zealand versus Tonga or Samoa. You know, that 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 Polynesian Pacifica battle that would go on there. Uh, it's a fascinating World Cup. And uh, Kieran, it could be the closest we've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly as I said. I think, um, yeah, we've got a few rising nations. I have had a look at the England squad. I, I don't think it's as strong as their 2017 side that were runners-up, but I think with that home ground advantage, that'll see them lift. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it, as I said. Well, let's talk about the, the, the teams in some more detail. So looking at Pool A to start with, so we're going to look at each of the nations and then we're going to decide who we think is going to progress to the quarterfinals, uh, including Friendy and Chris, who did send in their predictions. I believe uh, Miles Steadman is too busy in Europe, which is fair enough. <laughs> so uh, first cap off the rank is the host nation, England. What can you tell us about them? Um, so, yeah, as I said, they're, they're not the same England of 2017 that made the final. Uh, I do back them to make it out of the group stage, but I've actually got them finishing second to Samoa. Um I've had a look at their team list and against Samoa's, and I just think Samoa just has the superior experience, um, but not just experience. I think that the talent is uh, is superior, to be honest. Uh, I'm not so familiar with Super League, so don't take my complete word on that, but um, I think that England's uh, backline is quite star-studded, but so is Samoa's. Um, and then I think in the forwards um, and the halves, to be honest, is where Oh well, uh, England do have George Williams. That's a huge, um, a huge player to have on your side. Uh, I haven't tracked him since he's been back in the Super League, but in his Raiders days, he was phenomenal. Um, <laughs> but 
but yeah, I, I really like this Samoan side. I um I actually said before we a couple of weeks ago in the chat, maybe a week ago, I said um I think that Tonga will um I think I, I, I said I think I rate Tonga's chances better in this World Cup than Samoa's, but I had a closer look at that Samoan side and, and the names that you can list list off, Joseph Sawali'i, uh, Jerome Luai, Taylor May, uh, I think even Anthony Milford playing for his home country in a World Cup. Uh, I think he'll lift Josh Papali'i, Junior Paolo, Jaden Sua, Hamiso Tabuaifido, like the list goes on and on. Um, yeah, I, I like Samoa to, to finish top. And then I've got Greece finishing ahead of um, France. I, As I said, I'm not too familiar with um, the Super League, so I don't know many of the, the French players. I know that they're hosting the rugby league, the next Rugby League World Cup, so... Maybe that will be uh, something that will get the players excited and, and they'll want to show their nation um, why they should be excited for the Rugby League World Cup coming to their country. But I think with uh, Greece having the likes of Ilias Magulius and Peter Mamazilos, I might be uh, pronouncing that wrong, but from the Rabbitohs, some familiar faces in the side that won't like passion for the game. Uh, I think that's evidenced by the Greek following in Australia. Um, so yeah, I've got Samoa first um, and then England, Greece and France. I'm really curious about this. I'm, I'm like you. I don't have a lot of Super League knowledge. Uh, most of my Super League knowledge is based on how people went in the NRL or how they go in the international mm-hmm. game. So this is a chance for us to see some of these people that I'm not that familiar with, like you know Andy Ackers from the South of Red Devils, Chris Hill from Huddersfield, Morgan Knowles from St. Helens. I don't know much about these sort of guys. Who I do know a bit about is Victor Radley, who has joined England. He's uh, defected, if you will, or he chose to represent England uh, through his, you know, birthright. Throw in the names like Luke Thompson, Sam Tompkins, New Zealand Warriors legend. He's the captain of England, <laughs> fullback. Uh, Dom Young, who had a fantastic year for the Knights. Um, mm. Elliot Whitehead's been really, really good for the Raiders. Luke Thompson has been in and out of form for the Bulldogs. I thought um, Tom Burgess. John Bateman, like haven't the Raiders missed him? And your mate, Herbie Farnworth, personal mm-hmm. favourite. Um, England have a lot going for them. And I think the home ground advantage is not to be underrated. We, yeah. we see this a lot whenever whenever uh, a team goes over there to play the, the, the World Club Challenge. And you'll have like a star-studded Australian team and, you know, an English team that has a bunch of good English players and maybe some like NRL rejects, <laughs> to be frank. Yeah. And yeah. they'll put up a good fight and sometimes win because that home ground advantage is is so pronounced, you know, playing in those conditions. And I, I wonder if that's gonna if that's gonna have an effect. I agree with you. I think they're definitely gonna progress. I am curious to see how Lachlan Ilias goes running aside, because we're we're used to him being a bit of a second fiddle at the Rabbitohs. It'll be a good chance for him to grow. Like you, I don't know much about the French side. I'm very excited about Samoa. I'm very excited mm-hmm. about them. I actually I actually have a feeling that England are going to progress first, Samoa second, um, for, the, for the sole reason that the first game of the tournament is England versus Samoa. And mm-hmm. Samoa are the favourites, according to the betting markets, and of course, gamble responsibly if you do. Some are the favourites, and like you, like many, think that they're probably going to win that one and then, of course, win the other two and progress at the top of their pool. I just think the home ground advantage might just be a bit something-something for, for the English to enjoy. Uh, it might catch the Samoans a little bit off guard. They're not quite used to conditions yet. A few combinations not quite landing yet because there's a lot of players that haven't played for Samoa before. Um, 
Yeah, I've, I've I've got a feeling that England might progress first. But as you as you were rattling off those names that Samoa have, let's put it this way: their backline is going to be Swaliti at fullback. Wingers will be the Hammer and Brian Toto, who might be the best winger in the world. And then the centres are going to be Stephen Crichton, New South Wales legend, and <laughs> Isaac Tungor, who is the better of the two centres <laughs> of those two, which means that Taylor May is going to miss out. He'll get some game time for sure, but like, you know, he's probably not in their best top five. Um, Matthew Fine from the Dragons, who's a, just an excellent player, wonderful footwork, he's also not going to be in their top five, you know, in, in their, in their back line. Jeez, they've got some pace and excitement. It's, it's, it's really hard for me to put them at two, to be honest. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I'm quite comfortable putting them first, although going through the list um, of the players that you named for England, I was a bit like, Oh, geez, they're, they're all a little bit better than maybe I've given them credit for. So it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting. Yeah. Forward pass going to be great for the Samoans. As we mentioned before, Junior Paolo, Josh Papali'i just oh, leading the way. Uh, throw in the likes of uh, J- Jaden Suar, who won't miss. He won't miss if you line somebody up. Spencer Lenu just keeps growing and growing and growing. And you did mention, of course, Jerome Luai, who will probably play a 5-8 while Anthony Milford plays halfback. Um, I like that. I rate that. And I think Jerome Luai will probably have more playmaking responsibilities. So... Very interested to see how Pool A goes. For the record, uh, Friendy and Chris agree with you uh, that Samoa will probably finish first with England in second. But we all agree that those are the teams that are advancing. And if I can give an early prediction for later in the tournament with the knockouts, I expect Samoa to go further than England, if that makes sense. Even if I think that England will finish top. Just because, as I said, that first matchup, that first game to kick off the tournament is primed for England to really put in a good performance. So um, that's how I see Group A going. Let's talk about Group B, which of course has Australia, um, you know, our favourite team, except for maybe you, who would be probably supporting Ireland um, as well. I've got (laughs) Australia, Fiji, Italy, and Scotland. And it really feels like a race for second in this pool because Australia really should get the job done. How do you see this pool going? Yeah, I've got Australia as um, obvious favourites to, to take out the group. We've gone over their squad last week, so I won't touch on it too much. Uh, but yeah, I think they'll they'll qualify first and likely meet the Kiwis in the semi-final, as we said earlier. Um, I think Fiji should have enough to make the quarterfinals, but um, face an uphill battle to advance further with other Tier 2 nations really rising to prominence now. Um, I think Scotland's no Lachlan Coote hurts their chances to beat Fiji, um, and I think that will ultimately see them finish no higher than third for mine. So I've got Italy fourth with just too little top-level rugby league experience to compete with their competition, but uh, a grand occasion for them, no less. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just will, will mention that I got the, the order the wrong way around. It looks like Friendy and Chris have both said that England will be first in theirs as well, so they agree with me more than you so suck on that one <laughs> i'm happy to prove everyone wrong <laughs> <laughs> uh key players for italy that i that i saw uh jump out was nathan brown from the Parramatta mm. eels bench legend in the grand final <laughs> um and that's really about it if I, as i'm looking through as we speak so 
you know, he's got a, a big job on his hands. I wonder if they'll just throw him in at halfback and see how he goes. Um, <laughs> I imagine they'll throw him in at lock and get him to play 80 minutes and hope that he has a little bit of ball-playing finesse for them. Uh, Scotland, you're right. Lachlan Coote, uh, a big out. Um, Recognisable names for NRL fans might include Logan Bayless from the Broncos, who uh, is a bit lower grades mostly. Um, and then, of course, Ewan Aiken from the Warriors, new Dolphins legend, and Kane Linnett, yeah. Cowboys <laughs> premiership winning legend. Um, <laughs> I believe they'll probably use both of those guys in the centres, but I'd be tempted to use them in the back row um, just to get a bit closer to the ball with a bit more impact. Uh, I think you're right, though. Australia are the clear favourites and with good reason uh, as they play against their main rivals, Fiji, this uh, coming round, the first round of the tournament. Um, they've rested a bunch of their grand finalists. So guys like Nathan Cleary, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Isaiah Yeo, uh, they're all having a sit-out. Liam Martin as well are all sitting out for the Australians. Fiji, I think, will rely more on their grand final heroes, guys like Api Karoyasau, guys like Viliami Kikau. Uh, they're hoping that they can have really big tournaments, obviously. They've also got Kevin Nangama in there from the Roosters, uh, Kamakamifa from the Storm, so there's a few uh, very, very, very good players. Brendan Wakem from the Bulldogs will likely have to do some playmaking. And then, of course, the very, I mean, Owen's favorite, the Big E. He loves Mike Acevo. Oh, yeah. He's in there yeah. as well. Uh, Fijian legend. Uh, Michaela Ravalara as well. Semi Valame. Sunya Taruva, the promising Panthers player that ran for like almost 400 meters in his Fijian test debut earlier this year. It's a pretty good team. I do agree with you, and so does Friendy and Chris, that we think that Australia's going to come first, Fiji second, and I'm probably with you on this one. I think Scotland will be third, unless Nathan Brown has the tournament of his life. That's, <laughs> that seems a pretty safe bet, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, whether Nathan Brown comes off the bench or starts, I think Scotland will probably just best them. <laughs> that's probably it isn't it like you just like do what the eels did just save him like don't don't play him against australia or fiji just bring nathan <laughs> brown in for 80 minutes against scotland and see how it goes uh, and maybe they can score a win the uh, pool c is probably also a little bit uh top heavy with ireland jamaica lebanon and new zealand now new zealand uh, currently the number one ranked team in the world. It's worth mentioning that Australia are fourth ranked at the moment, but that's partly because right before COVID, they lost games to New Zealand and Tonga and then haven't played since COVID started, uh, whereas other nations have, so they've moved past them on the rankings. Uh, but So New Zealand is the top ranked team in the world. They've, they've listed a fantastic squad. It's a genuinely excellent squad, and I, I agree with you what you said earlier about them probably challenging Australia. That semi-final, as it is shaping up at the moment, looks like it's going to be an absolute stunner. But the rest of Pool C is quite interesting. I think it's safe to rule out Jamaica. I don't think Jamaica is going to give it much of a shake. But I think Ireland versus Lebanon is a fascinating matchup. What do you make of it? Look, I've probably got Lebanon edging it out on the strength of their halves pairing. I know Ireland are led by Luke Keary, but Lebanon have both Mitch Moses and Adam Dewey. Uh, surely they'll be the halves pairing. Um, if they think like uh, Brett Kamali is thinking and decide to play Adam Dewey elsewhere, 
Um, <laughs> it could be a, a different story and maybe Ireland will be a chance. But um, yeah, I really like that Haas pairing of Mitch Moses and Adam Dewey. I think it's very strong. Um, I think second in the group, but they, again, just like Fiji, they'll face an uphill battle to advance further. And I think, yeah, Ireland third. I can see them toppling Jamaica to finish third, but I think that will be their solitary win uh, for mine. And um, yeah, not enough experience, unfortunately, for Jamaica to get a win I don't think but again a grand occasion for them just to be there and I think this is as good a Kiwi side as we've ever seen um, I'm super mm. excited to see them compete in this World Cup uh, they have just in, in at 5-8 you could have Dylan Brown Kieran Foran and even arguably you could put Joey Manu there uh, mm. so when you've got that strength in the number 6 position alone that's a scary prospect um, I, I can't really name a weak link in their team it's a, a very good team I'm really excited to see them play yeah, I think it's I think it's safe to say that New Zealand should uh, walk this one in. Lebanon and Ireland is fascinating to me. Like Luke Keary, I don't want to underestimate him, and Ireland will be one of those like tough teams, and they also have the advantage of hometown, you know, conditions. On the exception of Jamin Jolof, um, who was from the Titans, Titans legend. So. <laughs> But you're right, Lebanon do have that touch of class, don't they? Mitchell Moses has been in fantastic form for a couple of years now. Do we here as well? Uh, I'm curious to see how they use Jacob Kiraz from the Bulldogs. He's been playing in the centres and on the wing for the Bulldogs mostly, but I wonder if a guy with his tenacity and speed might be better served at fullback for Lebanon, potentially. And he could be used on kick returns, just sort of slot him in wherever he, wherever he can, get his hands on the ball more. Uh, he's a dangerous ball runner. They might, they may also go with the experience of Josh Mansour in that position. Um, uh, Mansour might might play on the wing. I'm I'm not entirely sure about that. Uh, they also have Reese Robinson. He could uh, play there, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a, a fullback in the past. Uh, very talented individual, Reese Rob- Robinson. I don't think we ever saw him achieve his full potential um, in the NRL. So I'd be keen to see him have a really good tournament as well. Uh, Kiraz and Mansour options at fullback. I'm not exactly sure how they're going to go there. Uh, They might play both those guys in the centers to get them some more ball potentially Uh, with Robinson at the back. I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Lebanon might just sneak in second, but this is the one I'm the least confident on. I think it's, it's Lebanon or Ireland for me. Lebanon just edging them. For the record, Friendy and Chris agree with us. And I think there's a bit of a pattern emerging here where there isn't much to disagree about, um, especially for people that focus more on the NRL than the Super League. We don't know much about the Super League, but uh, it's at this point in the tournament, it's pretty cut and dry. And I think that's kind of similar for Group D. Uh, Although it'll be interesting again, probably to see who sneaks into second place because the teams are the Cook Islands, Papua New Guinea, Tonga, and Wales. Tonga have had that huge rise, the incredible forward pack they have, but not many halves. Papua New Guinea have a bit of strike, and they love their rugby league. Wales have home ground advantage, and the Cook Islands are also there. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Cook Islands. I don't think you're going to have much of a chance here, but that's just my opinion. What is yours? Uh, I've got Tonga. I think their forward pack um, is as good as any, especially when Taumalolo is back. Uh, mm. They won't have as big a following backing them as they did in their um, semifinal, their famous semifinal in 2017, when they only just bowed out to an eventual 
eventual runners-up England. Um, I think they'll come first in their group uh, and semi-finals at least or bust for them. I think it has to be, really. Um, I've got PNG coming second. I think they've got star-studded wingers in Alex Johnston, the top try scorer in the NRL the past two seasons, 30 tries um, both of those two seasons at least. And then Olam mm-hmm. and Lamb, I think, yeah, they should definitely finish second and make the quarters. Um, between Cook Islands and Wales, I have had a look at the Cook Island team and I think that they will come third. Um, they've got Dylan Napa is there. Um, I don't recognize too many of the Welsh names, so uh, maybe someone uh, that's a fan of the pod can give a bit more insight into that Welsh team. But yeah, I like the Cook Islands team uh, to, to best. Wales, um, I'm just trying to think. Dominic Peru is there. He used to play in the NRL. Stephen Masters, Eason Masters, Makahesi Makatoa mm. for the Eels. So there's some fairly handy names. Jeff Daniela used to play for the West West Tigers legend. Um, yeah, Panthers think... legend too. Yeah, Saint yeah. Mary's legend now, isn't he? Is he playing for Saint Mary's? Oh, probably. Yeah, Saint Mary's Saints. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, Rob, yeah, yeah. Rob Sebastian's hometown uh, friend mm-hmm. of the show. Um, yeah, uh, Wales. Yeah, I worry for Wales here. They do have home ground advantage to some extent. Uh, Caleb Aikens, former former NRL legend. Caleb Aikens played a few games at fullback. Very industrious fullback. Not the kind of one of those guys that wasn't the most skillful potentially, but just geez, he tried hard. He got through his meters and and really gave it a red hot go. I am worried about them though. They've got a few players from the Valley Diehards, which uh, their their home ground is just down the road from my house. Uh, they're they're oh. not particularly. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, you're not like Scott Prince was their halfback in 2020 um, at the age of 40. You know, like <laughs> it's 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 Brisbane it's Brisbane first grade um, in within Brisbane. So I I wouldn't. It's like a step below Queensland Cup. So I I wouldn't think that those guys. While it's a huge thrill for them, and they're going to play against some great players. Uh, you know, playing for Tonga and to a lesser extent Papua New Guinea and. And the Cook Islands, but yes, I think Wales will be fourth. I agree with that. I think Cook Islands will be third, and I kind of hope that Papua New Guinea sneak it in. I think you're right about Lachlan Lamb mentioning his name. Uh, he, the combination of him and Kyle Labert um, showing the team around will be a big advantage for them. They both have a bit of skill in the playmaking department. Reese Martin in in the back row. Uh, I, I imagine they'll play him at lock. Uh, Bulldogs legend. Um, we've also got Xavier Coates uh, on one wing. Uh, I imagine Alex Johnson might actually play fullback potentially. Mm. Um, Nene McDonald, of course, also a former NRL player. And then, as you mentioned, Justin Olam, who was an absolute wrecking ball. Um, gee whiz, I'd be tempted to put him in the second row, actually, um, if you're playing against teams like Wales and Cook Islands and just bashing him. So, yeah, Papua New Guinea would be second. And then Tonga, clear favourites to get out of that pool. So, and by the way, that's that's consensus in uh, amongst Friendy and Chris as well. So, as it stands, we have, uh, in Group A, we have England and Samoa advancing. In Group B, we have Australia and Fiji advancing. In Group C, we have New Zealand and Lebanon advancing. And Group D, we have Tonga and Papua New Guinea advancing. Does that all that all make sense, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. 
I, yeah, so it, it kind of feels like it kind of feels like this early part is going to be just teams going through the motions. You know, Australia and New Zealand uh, will be looking to find combinations because they should win those games. They'll be looking to set standards for the defense. You know, to make sure that a team like Italy is not scoring any points against Australia. They'll want to win sixty nil. Or they'd rather win thirty nil than sixty to eighteen. You know what I mean? Like so for Australia and New Zealand it's gonna be about standard setting uh, in the early stages. Um, I think the most interesting game in the whole lot of the pool division is probably the very first game, England versus Samoa. Um, that's one that could that that's that one that's one could really light up how things go. Um, in terms of very consequential games, I'd be looking towards Lebanon versus Ireland and potentially Papua New Guinea versus Cook Islands. Those two could de- decide which of those nations get through the quarterfinals. Is, is that how you read it as well? Uh, yes, yeah. I think that Samoa, Samoa England could be the final potentially as well, right? Uh, no, no. I, I think it's okay. impossible. I think it'll be uh, the final will, you know, like let's be real. Australia or New Zealand are probably going to make the final considering, you know, they'll have to work their way through to play each other in a semifinal. Um, yeah. Mathematically, it might be possible. It, it might be possible. I, I, I could be just absolutely feeding you horse shit there. But let, let's be honest. Is it really going to happen? Like, mm. do you reckon it could? Uh, Samoa, England? or in, in a final, yeah. Like, I mean, considering, you know, considering that, they both probably at that point had to get past Australia and New Zealand. Oh yeah, right. No, I don't. I, I mean, I am not too high on England this World Cup. Um, I my bold, I'll just say right now, I think Samoa could make the final. I, I if Australia and New Zealand make that semi final that we're saying they will, and I think they will, I, I'm going to tip Samoa to make the final. Wowzers! Well, that's exciting. Yeah. That like isn't that isn't that brilliant for the world game? As we talked about at the start of the show, you know, the idea that these players have, you know, Papali, uh, Paolo, Luai, Toto, uh, they've they've all chosen. They, they literally all those guys, maybe except for Luai, would have probably made this Australian team. Suali'i as well, like you mentioned, uh, they probably would have all made the Australian squad. And they chose to go and play for their heritage and strengthen them to the point that they are a realistic chance of making the final. That's incredible. What a story. Naval, naval. No, it's, a, it's a great story. It's um, something we've not seen. I don't know if Samoa have ever made the final before. So, yeah, it'll be something really exciting for their, their nation. Um, I, I assume they're quite a, a rugby league mad nation. And, yeah, it'd be great to see. Would be great to see. My bold prediction. <sighs> hmm. Well, I, I was going to say my bold prediction is that England will beat Samoa. And I think they'll beat them in a low-scoring game uh, in the pool stages. Considering our podcast might be, our next podcast might be a couple of weeks away, just before the quarterfinals or around that sort of time. Uh, I don't know exactly how the elimination game is going to go. But as it stands, I think I'm going to tip England to beat Samoa in a dour affair, like uh, a real low scorer at St. James Park. I'm talking like margin of less than six oh. England win with less than 20 points. 
So something like 18, 14, 14, 12, you know, something like that. I just, I picture, I picture that happening. And then of course, England going on to progress at the top of that pool. Kieran Gibson, thank you very, very much for your thoughts and your expertise on the various nations. Do you have any intent to wake up early in the morning or like stay up late at night to watch any of the games coming up? Uh, well, the English Premier League actually coincides with, obviously, being in England as well, um, both being in England, uh, coincides with the Rugby League World Cup. So I'll probably be up for that England Samoa game. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely be watching that one. Uh, otherwise, I will probably catch highlights of the other games, but I work full time, so probably won't watch too much. But um, yeah, I'm very keen for the knockout stage as well. Yeah, it'll be a good World Cup. I'm looking forward to it. I will probably not be staying up late. I am 34 years old, so I will. I will not be. I will not be doing that. I'm 34, turning 64, so I will be catching up with highlights at least of, of all the games. I'm very, very keen to see all the highlights. Those extended highlight packages that sometimes they do, where they have like 12 or 13 minutes, that's right up my alley because at least you get a bit of a sense of the playmaking, the, the how the forwards are going in the battles as well, not just the tries. Um, and for the Australian games and maybe the New Zealand games or any close games, I might actually watch full replays. So we'll see how we go. I'm hoping to uh, because it's, it's exciting to have a World Cup. It's great that we can get back to all this with COVID. You know, you know the, the world's starting to adapt to COVID a little bit. Of course, it is still a huge problem. Um, but, you know, we're starting to adapt. We're starting to get back to travel. We can have situations like where we have a World Cup which is very exciting. So it should have been last year. Oh, well, it's this year. Let's have fun with it. Kieran Gibson, thank you very, very much for joining me tonight. Yeah, thanks, Bo. And yeah, it's um, really good to have this World Cup. As you said, I, I'm, I think the most excited uh, part about it is that it's uh, shortened the off-season until the NRL returns, but it's also a great spectacle of its own. So yeah, can't wait. And it keeps us working through the off season as well. After I had a break last off season, uh, but thank you, very, thank you very much to all the listeners who make that work worth it. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe so you can enjoy some more above the horizontal as the World Cup progresses. Until then. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.